0: Hello and welcome to Revolutionary Ideas, the monthly Marxist podcast from Socialist Alternative. As revolutionaries and socialists, we support the creation of parties of the working class. But what does that mean? And how can they be built? In this episode, our host Tom will be discussing with two special guests. Anna Barnett is a US activist and a member of Socialist Alternative's sister organisation in Philadelphia, also called Socialist Alternative. He will also speak to Hugh Caffrey, who is a member of Socialist Alternative in Manchester. Take it away, Tom.
1: Okay, thanks for tuning in, everybody. In this episode of Revolutionary Ideas, I'm here talking to Anna, who is a member of Socialist Alternative in the US. And we're talking specifically now about the uh, election result that has completely exposed just how much opposition there has been to Trump through his time in office. But also, you know, we really need to think as well as socialists about what is the way forward. For, for movements of the working class, for the socialist movement, and, uh, and and the left going forward now that you know Biden is set to take over uh, the presidency, one thing that I was thinking about in particular, and maybe this is something you could uh, kind of expand upon a little bit, Anna, is how socialist alternative in the US has very much placed at the centre the need for a, a new party for for working class people. Could you maybe go into that a little bit?
2: Sure. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um yeah, I think that you know, the the situation that working class people are facing um you know, we're facing a really horrendous situation right now, right? With just crisis after crisis. Of course, there's the COVID pandemic um that working class people across the world have been dealing with. Um that was the trigger um although not, you know, the cause for this economic depression. Um that also working, working class people and young people are facing. Um, in the US, of course, there's been um, just repeated racist police brutality and the Black Lives Matter movement in response, um, which has had, you know, won some small victories, but generally has had a lot of difficulty winning concrete gains because of the lack of organization of that movement. Um, there's the looming eviction and housing crisis that workers are facing. And so it kind of really starkly presents us with a question of um, what the way forward is. And although um, you know Biden is has pretty much won the election, Trump is going to be pushed out of office at this point. You know he's kind of keeping up his shenanigans um, just to to kind of consolidate his base um, and also his own position. But um, but we know that you know. Biden is the candidate who has said to his billionaire backers that nothing will fundamentally change. And just because Trump is out of office, um, although that's been a a massive victory for working class people, and we shouldn't understate that, workers across the country are really taking like a massive sigh of relief. Um, But we know that the problems that are facing us won't go away and that Biden is actually walking into a a crisis situation that he's not going to have the tools to actually address in the interests of working people.
1: I think it's very clear looking at what's taken place you know from, from Britain that there were all these kind of expectations from the Democratic Party that it would be this complete like sweep in favor of Biden you know that Trump would be wiped out electorally you know that he, he just wouldn't um, you know see the light of day at all and obviously Trump has lost the election but Biden's only won by a, by a very very tiny amount if you consider um, you know, the scale uh, of deaths under COVID, you know, that Trump has, has contributed to, you know, that that's created a mass of anger and a mass of frustration at the way that his uh, presidency actually acted alongside all of the, you know, the racism and the sexism, attacks against the working class that characterised his rule. And, and I think it's one of those things where, like, if, if you look at all of those things and still consider that Biden basically only really scraped it in terms of the electoral college votes now, obviously the electoral college is a very, you know, undemocratic and and uh, unrepresentative institution. But I guess it's a sign of like, you know, if, if you run on a corporate platform in the way that Biden did, you know, when he talked about, you know, I'm I'm not going to uh, I'm not going to ban fracking, I'm not going to support Medicare for all, I'm not going to support a green new deal, you know, and he was saying all these kinds of things. Then many people who could be drawn to that message. Just simply like didn't vote. And this is obviously a very common thing in presidential elections where, you know, you have two parts, two candidates representing two different factions of the ruling class representing big business. What you end up getting is people like Trump. You, you know, Trump, the Trump movement finds its base in a situation like that so that's obviously something that we have to understand as well when we talk about about the the, the need for a party of the working class how you know this complete like impasse just gets nowhere you know this this whole thing of lesser evilism
2: right exactly i mean i think that the the fact that trump came so close to to winning you know seems to most to most people as just you know kind of an absurd joke um considering the conditions that um, people have been dealing with um, in the past, you know, couple of months and the past four years. But I think it it really comes down to who Biden actually um, who Biden actually represents. Obviously, Biden himself was, you know, just an extremely weak and unpopular candidate. Um, but I think that that really comes down to who the Democratic Party actually wants to fight against. Um, you can look at the way that they dealt with. Bernie Sanders, um, you know, this progressive candidate who was, you know, calling himself a socialist, saying things like billionaires should not exist, um, the way that the Democratic Party establishment responded to him, pulling out all the stops to to fight against him and to discredit him um, in the primary versus the absolutely pathetic fight that they put up against Trump, not only in the election itself, but over the past four years of just paying lip service to you know this resistance against trump um ha- and and at the same time you know showing their loyalty to big business and and in action not actually opposing trump's ideas um and i think that like most most people you know who voted for biden did so and they you know kind of held their nose and they did it um but he was not a candidate that people were excited about because of the program that he ran on. Like you said before, huge numbers of people actually don't vote and didn't vote because the politics that that working class people are interested in are not being presented by either major party, not by the Democrats or the Republicans. Um, and that kind of is why in our material, Socialist Alternative does really stress the need for our own party to be able to fight you know, not just in the streets, not just in the workplace, but to fight on the political arena, um, which obviously is, in general, really, you know, hostile territory for working class people, and that we need this tool, this party, to be able to put up the strongest fight possible to, to win the things that we need.
1: The biggest complicating factor in US politics is the fact that, you know, we don't have a party that Um, you know like working class people can actually like rely on to not just like put forward policies that would benefit working class people obviously that's an important part of it but also would be prepared to like take part in struggles uh, to fight for these things uh, as well and I think just for example when I would say look at the US in you know back in like 2012 for example that 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 position of of the need for uh, you know a new party representing the working class a workers party to break the power of, of the two party system that would seem like a very good and very correct and very necessary position to hold but some people would have maybe thought well you know where could that come from uh, essentially one thing that's that's becoming clearer and clearer now is that there are all of these openings You know, there's the rise of things like, yeah, the Sanders campaign that you mentioned. And obviously, you know, Sanders um, played a pretty terrible role in the sense that he stood back and just allowed Joe Biden uh, to, to, to go unchallenged, essentially, when, you know, he shouldn't have done that and he didn't have to do that. But what you really saw there was the outline of what could have taken shape. As you know something that could have broken away from the Democratic Party uh, away from you know the, the real kind of like prison it represents, and yeah you 've also seen the rise of things like the DSA, the Democratic socialists of America, and of course you know there, there are uh, lots of kind of debates taking place about you know what relationship an organization like the DSA has in relation to the Democratic Party or what relationship it should have. but what would we say in socialist alternative about how a workers' party could come about?
2: Yeah, I think that a fundamental thing about, um, about the way a new party would have to sort of come about, and I think you kind of alluded to this, is that it would have to develop out of struggle. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, a specific movement itself would be the only force that would be organizing this new party, but that it's through struggle that working class people, that we, that we draw the conclusions about the need for political independence for our class, for the working class, for the need for a break with the Democrats and the Republicans. And of course, you know, there's, there's a lot of debates on the left about um, the way a new party could be formed. Of course, there's, you know, debates about whether it's possible to reform the Democratic Party itself. Um, But then, you know, even among people who agree, well, the Democratic Party actually can't be reformed who agree that we need um, a new working class party that's actually accountable to us, um, there's a lot of debates about how that will actually happen. Um, And so, you know, within for example, the DSA, the Democratic Socialists of America, which is the largest socialist organization um, in the US, there, you know, there's um, often kind of this idea that strategically we can run socialists and progressives on the Democratic Party ballot line Um, to eventually break away with the Democratic Party. And I think that, um, you know, recently, for example, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who's a very well-known socialist um, in New York, she basically laid out the ways in which the Democratic Party has been kind of sabotaging her and fighting against her um, over the past, you know, a couple years. And I think we see the difficulties that progressives actually face within this prison of the Democratic Party that's fighting us every single step of the way to be able to win any reforms. Um, and I think Bernie Sanders is another really clear example. Um, and so, you know, we've been calling, you know, on the, the DSA, the Democratic Socialists of America, to not just support a new party, you know, in theory, but to actually actively organize for a new working class party. Um, and that we think that, you know, progressives and socialists should take up that fight. Obviously, we called on Bernie Sanders um, in 2016 to run through the election the general election as an independent and throughout his recent campaign um, called on him to launch his his campaign as as a more organized force that could actually help to the the base for a new party um, and I think that like it's clear that there is openness to the need for a new party broadly you know and we can look at what the base of that party would be it would be progressive um, union members it would be the, the a huge volunteer base and donation base of the two Bernie Sanders campaigns um, and left activists, but it also would have to go beyond just people who are already engaged in politics and reach people who, you know, don't vote, people who don't consider themselves Democrats or Republicans, um, and people who have been alienated from these two parties. And so it's kind of also a question of, well, where will the leadership of this new party come from? And I think, you know, That is that is a question, and we can't we can't just as socialist alternative call for a new party on our own. But we do try to point the way forward, and I think that our work in Seattle with Shama um, Shama Sawant, our elected city councilor, sort of provides a window into what a real fighting party of the working class could achieve. Um, And right now, we're under attack from the Democratic Party establishment and from the right wing um, who are attempting to recall our seat because of what we've been able to accomplish in Seattle. And this is kind of a a, a foreshadowing into the attacks that um, left and progressive candidates will face um, from the right wing. And I think now that Biden's in office, that provides us more space to be able to fight and organize. But we should be really clear that Trumpism is not going away. And it's actually um, corporate politics like the politics of Biden that have allowed for for these ideas to take root. And so it's really uh, an extremely important thing that a new party is able to step in, that um, left politics are able to step in and fill that vacuum so that the right doesn't move in and, and bring people over to um, right-wing ideas.
1: One thing that is very striking to me is that there is a parallel between the situation in the US and the situation in Britain. Because what has really defined things and defined the difficulties in many ways is that, in the form of the Sanders movement, you know, you have this, um, you know, you have this force that's fighting for these progressive policies. But it's it's something where he's clearly from from the get-go tried to square that with his participation in a party that just isn't positioned to fight for those kinds of policies. You know, just doesn't have avenues through which actually workers could really have any influence on how the policies of democratic politicians are formed. And really, I think there is a certain parallel with the Labour Party. Now, they are different in their history. They're different in how they were formed. The Labour Party had its origins genuinely actually as a party of the working class, albeit with pro-capitalist leadership. Uh, for, for a lot of its history, whereas the, the Democrats, you know, has never been anything other than a capitalist party. You know, it was the party of, um, of slavery and segregation. But really, what you see in both the methods of Corbyn and Sanders is this attempt to fight for, again, these very positive reforms, these, these left policies, progressive policies, but within the framework of a party that is run by people who would just do anything they can to strangle uh, new movements uh, of the left. And really, like, what we're seeing now in in, in Britain is the consequences of that in the form of Keir Starmer. You know, we need to learn the lessons from the mistakes made in that period. And ultimately, it's about recognising that us as socialists, we have a real kind of role to play in, for one, learning those mistakes and learning those mistakes in a way that points towards the direction of, yeah, a a mass left party that will actually be rooted in struggle. That's not something that's going to emerge overnight. It's going to emerge through the process of building our different campaigns against uh, attacks from the Tories, against the climate crisis, um, racist oppression and so on. What is really uh, unique about Socialist Alternative, and maybe you can say a little bit, about an international socialist alternative. But what really sets us apart, I would say, is is how our work is is firmly rooted in struggle. It's not rooted in us just saying the fight for an increased minimum wage or the fight for trade union rights or for action on the climate is something that's a waste of time. No, we want to connect that to the need to struggle against the capitalist system as a whole and fight for a new democratic socialist organisation of society.
2: Yeah, I think that, you know, this question of uh, the need for a new working class party in the U.S. and generally, more generally, for the question of the need for working class political independence for the global working class is not an abstract question. You know, sometimes it, it can seem like, oh, you guys always just bring this up again and again. And, and actually... You know it's our task as socialists to be out in the struggle fighting for our ideas, and you know, I think you can look at the way that our organization um, was able to play a role. It was out of the Occupy movement, actually, um, that we ran Shama, um, the, and who was the first socialist elected representative in I think 100 years um, in the US. And you know, our the way that we um, participated in. Um, and intervened in the Bernie Sanders movements um, and the campaigns, you know, not in a passive way, not just going in and, you know, cheerleading, but also not not just criticizing um, what we saw as Bernie's shortcomings um, and the shortcomings of those campaigns, but trying to actively work alongside other working class people to fight for these policies that we do agree with, like Medicare for all, um, to fight to have, you know, more socialists in office, but also actively trying to push the campaign and push Bernie um, in a direction that we see as necessary for our movements, fighting to have independence from the Democratic Party, which we see as basically this this strangling force that's sabotaging our movements um, each step of the way. Yeah, and I'm a member of um, Socialist Alternative in the U.S., um, in Philadelphia, um, and we're part of the ISA, the International Socialist Alternative. um, And I think that being part of this international organization, you know, we're able to draw these connections um, and draw the lessons not only from the U.S., not only the experiences and the lessons of struggle um, in the U.S., but we can look at the processes taking place. Um, for example, in the Labor Party, we can look at um, what happened with Syriza in Greece or with Podemos in Spain, and we can draw those les- lessons and we can bring them not only into our organization here, but into the movement in the U.S where we do want to be you know, the best fighters alongside our neighbors, our coworkers, um, and members of our community. And I think that being able to, to draw those connections and to be in solidarity with socialists who are fighting around the world, you know, not only for a new party, but also for a complete transformation of, of society to fight for a world that is based off human need and not profit. Thanks, Anna, for giving those
0: incredibly enlightening answers about the situation facing socialists and the left in the US. Now, before Tom moves on to Hugh, I just want to give a quick shout-out for a new pamphlet that Socialist Alternative has published. Trotsky's classic work, Marxism in Our Time, is an era-defining introduction to the topic of Marxist economics, which goes into the nature of capitalist crisis in his day. Now, we have reprinted it to bring those ideas into the 21st century, with a special introduction from us about why the ideas of Marxism still hold their power today. If you would like to get your copy, then please just click on the link in the description box. Or you can also send an email to socialistalternative1 at gmail.com, and we will get one posted to you. Cost is £3 plus postage. Now, without further ado, I will bring Tom back in.
1: So the reason we're having this this conversation today is it has a lot to do with Starmer's election as Labour leader and just how much of a setback that has actually been uh, for the left. Starmer's, you know, consistently since getting into power, you know, taking consistent action against Corbyn, against the left... The most recent decision was to suspend Corbyn completely from the party and now that he's been readmitted it's been revealed that because of Starmer's direct interference Corbyn's not actually allowed to to sit as a Labour MP so very clear that Starmer's trying to make Labour a safe pair of hands for capitalism again a party that can defend the interests of capitalism but obviously now more than ever As socialists, we think that we need a party of our own, a party that will represent working class people and fight for our own interests. So I guess to start off you, I mean, why was it, do you think, that the Corbyn movement was actually defeated inside Labour and could the goal of a workers' party have actually been achieved under Corbyn or was it bound to fail? What do you think?
3: Yeah, thanks, Tom. I think we should always be optimistic and we should see what was possible, not only what unfortunately transpired. At one point, Labour was the largest political party in Western Europe with over half a million members. We saw during the 2017 general election campaign, the outline of a mass left election campaign with Jeremy Corbyn addressing some gigantic rallies around the country. Thousands of people turning out on council estates in small towns, as well as in city centres to hear Corbyn's proposals for a left-wing alternative to endless Tory austerity. And that shows what could have been done. Um, What Starmer has done is to attempt to beat Corbynism to death within the suffocating confines of Labour Party structures that are largely unchanged since the era of Tony Blair. What was showed possible during 2017's general election campaign is that it could go far beyond that in terms of the movement around the ideas that Corbyn put forward, but also the movement to change the Labour Party. Now, had that half a million people been organised and mobilised, had those much greater numbers, those hundreds of thousands that came to those rallies to hear Corbyn speak, had they been organised and mobilised, had the latent power of the trade union movement with nearly 7 million members and hundreds of thousands of activists Had that been mobilised, then, frankly, what would Keir Starmer have been able to do? It would have been of the same ilk as Owen Smith's infamous and ridiculous rally in Liverpool, which was confused with the queue for an ice cream van, because there were more people wanting ice creams than wanting to listen to uh, to some right winger that no one cares about and is interested in. And so the balance of forces inside Labour, but also outside Labour, was overwhelmingly in favour of the left, and the tragedy is, is that that was never capitalised on. After the 2017 general election, we saw the leadership of the left in the Labour Party and momentum's, momentum's leadership around John Landsman and some of the other uh, prominent figures at the summits of the Labour Party bear the overwhelming majority of the blame for this. That potential was never consolidated into a fighting active mass left party. That's what was needed, that's what was possible, that's what we wanted to see, and that's what we've argued for uh, in more recent months and years as well. But it's what wasn't done. And therefore, tragically, the initiative remained with the right, and we saw the right consistently undermine Corbynism every day, not just in the Labour Party, not just within the Labour movement, but in public, on the TV, on the radio, on social media, in the news... We saw them at every single step attempt to undermine the uh, the left, attempt to drive left wing members out, attempt to uh, paint Corbyn in the most unflattering light possible. In other words, they didn't just sabotage the twenty nineteen general election campaign, which we as now we know now they organised and consciously sought to deliver the uh, the British public into the hands of the Tories yet again. But they systematically worked over two years to undermine Labour having any chance of winning that general election. That's what we were up against. Now, frankly, that was blindingly obvious to anybody that was involved on the left or in the Labour Party. And the left refused to conduct the campaign that was necessary to defeat the right. And what do I mean by that? That half a million members should have been mobilised into meetings. They should have been mobilised into votes for left candidates not just in a turnout the vote way but in an active campaigning way engaging with the rest of the membership engaging with the public engaging with the organized working class engaging with all the campaigns and movements against oppression climate change and so on that we've seen in recent years had that been done you would have had an irresistible force and the right would have turned out to be very far from any movable object and sadly none of that was ever done and therefore corbynism went into the 2019 general election on his knees and Keir Starmer has since delivered the coup de grace with the hammer to the head of uh, attacking the left, suspending Corbyn and the witch hunt that's now developing at the left throughout the Labour Party. Yeah, no, I think you make some really good points there, Hugh, about how
1: fundamentally what the Corbyn movement was about was fighting to try and transform The Labour Party into something that could at least begin to represent uh, the interests of working class people. But it was the failure of the the movement's leadership to kind of play any role in broadening that movement out into something that can actually challenge the position of the right inside the party. And the result of it has been, yeah, allowing the right to set the agenda. What we now have are some very um, unfavourable consequences of that, that the the left and the socialist movement uh, has to deal with. But this is, this is quite a funny thing as well, isn't it? Because Corbyn was obviously elected as leader of a party that certainly didn't have a reputation as a party of the left. It didn't have a reputation as a party that represented uh, working class people. Corbynism came after a period of Blairism in control of the party. And what we're seeing now is clearly, yeah, this very concerted push to turn it back into a party that, you know, Tony Blair could consider himself to be proud of. But the Labour Party wasn't always like that, was it? I mean, when it was founded, it was set up as a very different type of party and actually a party um, designed to challenge the the Tony Blairs and the Keir Starmers of that day, of that age. Um, I'm just wondering if you could kind of say anything about that as well, a little bit more about that.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Labour was founded on the idea that it was necessary to have a distinct grouping in Parliament that would advance Labour interests. Labour in the sense of... The labour of working people, so it was founded very much uh, as a workers' party. That was the idea. Now that was always at the summits, at least, an electoral project. This was the idea of a distinct grouping in Parliament, and the idea was was that it would repeal some particularly oppressive legislation and judgments that had been carried out by the courts and Parliament against the trade union movement. That was the idea, and I mean, it succeeded within a few years, the Liberal government of the day, which is where you would have found uh, the Stammers and the Blazers, or frankly, of a far higher intellectual calibre than any of the degenerate remnants of the Labour Party right wing we might see embarrassing themselves on the telly today, the Liberal Party of the day introduced the beginnings of the welfare state, uh, repealed uh, various retrogressive judgments and legislation, and basically fell over itself to pretend to be a party of the working class in order to try to head off the electoral growth of Labour as it began to become a threat to the uh, parliamentary politicians of the day. And this is because not of the talents by and large of the Labour MPs of the day. They were always a very mixed bag and they always included the uh, the would-be traitors as well as the would-be fighters. We only have to recall Ramsay MacDonald, Tony Blair's role model, um, the, one of the leaders of the right wing of the Labour Party, that clique that Macdonald came to head around the national government in the 1930s was absolutely there from the start at the summits of the Labour Party from 1900 onwards. But what was more important than that is that it was based on the trade unions, it was based on the left, it was founded as a federation of trade union organisations and left organisations and wasn't only a national lash-up, with the aim of running candidates in elections, it developed at a local level where you would have local Labour parties that would be alliances of all of those organisations and anything else that wished to affiliate as well in terms of other progressive campaigning organisations, whether or not they had a national link with Labour. And that enabled it to play a campaigning role on the ground. That enabled it to begin to do what a workers' party is there to do, which is to generalise the political organisation of working people, provide a vehicle for struggle, provide a means of collective discussion, and so on and so forth. And you asked me before what would have been necessary in order to change Labour under Corbyn, let alone any of his wretched predecessors, into something like that, and we can see what would have been necessary. It would have been the systematic voting out of all the pro Cuts councillors, of all the right-wing pro-capitalist MPs, of all the utterly wretched, treacherous full-time officials, of all their lackeys and would and little friends that infest the Labour Party at every level and have done for 40 years or more since uh, the beginnings of Neil Kinnock's rise to power in the 1980s. All of them would have to have been elected out, would have to have been de-appointed and replaced with campaigning lefts, and Labour restructured so that it is not only an electoral vehicle for incumbent politicians, but begins to reflect again that campaigning alliance of workers and left organisations and so forth. That would have been a huge challenge. But as I say, if you've got an army of half a million socialists with mass popular support, that is eminently achievable. The problem is, it was never fought for. And the real history of the Labour Party's origins as at the base that kind of mass working class political organization is completely wasted unfortunately on the leadership of the labor left today okay so obviously this episode
1: of revolutionary ideas is also about the situation in the us after the defeat of uh, of trump in the in the recent uh, elections As a result of that election a lot of people are going to begin to think well you know we've got to get organised to defend the interests of working people against you know now a democratic uh, presidency you know who will very rapidly disappoint the hopes of a lot of workers in the US when he you know proves himself to be just another corporate um, president of of, of the country in the way that you know Obama did when he was president and the way that he betrayed the hopes of of, of millions of working class people as well and I guess in In the US, because I was talking to Anna about this earlier, it takes a very different form as well because in the US, you know, you you have the Democratic Party, which, you know, in many ways doesn't actually function like a party. It's more just kind of like an electoral machine to get capitalist politicians uh, elected. So one thing that, you know, we raise very clearly by um, our fellow thinkers in, in the US is the need for, you know, a new party, a new party of the working class, a new mass party of the left, like you've been saying we call for here. And I guess... What this really stresses is, you know, a really kind of fundamental question, which is what do we actually mean by a workers' party? How does it differ from a capitalist party or a bourgeois party, if you want to call it that? You know, where does that difference lie?
3: A workers' party, when we talk about it, isn't only limited to people in work. We're talking about a mass party of working class people. And it's not just defined... By its membership a capitalist party is not mainly made up a capitalist there isn't enough of them it would be a very very small party indeed a the, what we see as a workers party a mass working class party is not just a party where its members are predominantly uh, working or from the class that has to work for a living for the class that doesn't it's a party that is controlled by the working class in the same way as the capitalist class Controls the Tory party through their means, underhanded, snide, undemocratic means behind the scenes. A working class party is based on the majority class and is open, it's democratic. Its MPs are actually selected by the membership, not uh, picked by a clique. Its decisions are decided by democratically elected delegates or mass meetings, whatever is most appropriate. It's connected to the working class because it's a party that fights for it and is part of its living daily struggles, where struggles over opposing the closure of a swimming pool, struggles for better wages, struggles against redundancies, struggles over the climate, against oppression. All these things can find their space within it, can affect the policy of such a party, and can learn from each other and have the most important discussion of all, which is, well, what's the logical conclusion of all the things that we're campaigning for here? It's that we need to go further, we need to challenge capitalism. And as that discussion moves on, it becomes not only a question of challenging it, it becomes a question of overthrowing it. And that is why we want to see a mass party of the working class. What we would love to see is the working class of the world wake up one day, realise Karl Marx was right, embrace our political programme, move in a straight line to overthrow capitalism. But if it was that simple, it would all have happened a very long time ago. The way that things actually happen is that people fight to defend what they see being taken off them. They fight to defend themselves against the worst injustices meted out to them. And then on the basis of their own experience, they start working out wider political ideas, including the question of class and including the question of socialism. And what's needed right now is the mass political vehicle for that process and that discussion to take place in. That's true in the States and that's true here. And our role within that. It's to participate in that, it's to speed it up, it's to help it organise, but it's also to help give answers to those questions. Because the one incomparable benefit that we have, that unfortunately at this point the mass of the working class does not, is the experience of Marxism, it's the summed up experience of the working class. It's those clear ideas that explain why what's happening is happening, how we can challenge it and what the alternative is. And our role is to participate in all struggles, but particularly any developments towards a mass party like that, to point out the next steps where become bigger numerically and politically, but also to the political conclusions. The necessity for a full socialist programme, the necessity for working class internationalism, and the necessity to understand that we cannot patch up capitalism in any kind of major way. It needs to go, and the alternative is a democratically planned, economy based on working class control and management and a socialist organization to help blaze the way towards the world of plenty that we all know is possible and capitalism is incapable of delivering
0: thanks Hugh, and also thank you tom for another brilliant episode if you like what you've heard in this episode then i must urge you to join socialist alternative today go to our website which is socialistalternative.net or you can go to our social media, which will also be linked in the description. On Facebook, we are Socialist Alternative, ISA, England, Wales and Scotland. On Twitter, it is SocialistAltEWS. Instagram is SocialistAlt.EWS. And last but not least, TikTok is Socialist Send us a message on any of those platforms and we will be in touch about how you can play your part in the fight for a socialist alternative to capitalism. Thanks! Hopefully, see you next month with a special Christmas episode. Goodbye.